Welcome to Breaking Green Ceilings, the podcast that amplifies the diverse voices of those who are committed to protecting and sustainably managing our natural environment. I'm your host, Sapna Mulki. Let's get started. Have you ever heard of a business centered not returns on investment, but returns on inclusion? This is a focus of my conversation with Earl B. Hunter, who is the founder and owner of Black Folks Camp 2, which is currently based in North Carolina. I wanted to bring Earl's story to you because he is an unapologetic business owner of an outdoor recreational and marketing company that is committed to get more Black folks out in nature and encourage our white allies to invite non-white folks on their outdoor excursions. Earl worked in the recreational vehicle or RV industry as an executive for many years until he realized how people of color and particularly Black folks were rarely to be seen purchasing recreational equipment or even enjoying outdoor spaces like parks. So... He took matters into his own hands and he created Black Folks Camp 2, which is based on one simple slogan, treat everyone, everywhere, equally. This is depicted in the Black Folks Camp 2 Unity Blaze. In this conversation, we explored 20% why we rarely see Black folks outdoors, which Earl has found to be rooted in generational fear, lack of knowledge, and quite simply a lack of invitation from white folks. And then 80% of our conversation focuses on the solution. So listen on to know the solution to diversifying the outdoors. Here's a hint. It's not rocket science. Hope you enjoy. All right, Earl, thank you for being on the Raking Green Ceilings podcast. It's an honor to have you on our platform here. So today we're going to be talking about Black Folks Camp 2, and we're going to be talking about how we can make a business out of this outdoor recreation thing. But before we begin, I typically start with this first question to all of our guests, which is, what role has nature played in your life? Well, I always tell folks that, first of all, it's exciting to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And so with that being said, nature has played an amazing part of my life because of the health portion of it, whether it be mentally, my spiritual health, or my physical health. I've seen a drastic change and who I am and what I do and how I get it done because I'm able to spend some time in nature and, and have a nature bath and to really get a nature walk. And also, as a former athlete at a pretty high level, it allows me to go out and to conquer some of those things that I would want to do as an athlete to win when I climb on some of the mountains and things of that nature. So when I'm backpacking or hiking or so nature has been extraordinarily faithful to me. And I've been faithful to nature as well. Wow, wow. I really love that you said nature has been faithful to you. I've never heard that before. It has. But I guess we've heard some versions of it, like from a spirituality aspect. So you started Black Folks Camp 2. I'm excited to have this conversation with you about it because I guess from my perspective, kind of like the background that I've come from, we were raised with the mindset of like, work hard, get a good job, earn well, or enough to like live a comfortable life. And that's it. But I love that you have made a business out of Black Folks Camp too, where you're not only educating and inviting Black folks into nature, but it's your business. And that's something I really admire. 
as somebody who's just kind of starting out in my own kind of solopreneur journey. And I really look up to that. So tell us, how did that idea come to fruition? Well, so Black Folks Camp 2 is a, a legacy product for me, a legacy play. My job at Black Folks Camp 2, our job is to remove fear, add knowledge, and invite more Black folks to camp and enjoy the outdoor lifestyle with any and everyone. And while we do that, we encourage unity in the outdoors so that everyone can be around the campfire and have an amazing conversation. I was an executive in the RV industry. I was one of the only Black executives in the $114 billion industry. And what I saw in the industry wasn't what I thought it should be. What I saw in the industry, in the RV industry, was not a lot of folks that look like me, not a lot of folks that look like me in a position to make decisions, not a lot of folks that look like me in a position to help actually change the thought processes within the space. And so I knew the reason why I didn't go in the outdoors. I knew the reason I didn't go in the outdoors because of the generation of fear that my great-grandmother told my grandmother, told my mother, told me in regards to the outdoors, of that fear of what they saw in the outdoors and they saw and also what they thought they would see going into the outdoors now or what I would see. I knew that we had lack of knowledge. I had lack of knowledge before I got into the outdoor industry six years ago, seven years ago, actually. And also, I was really never invited to be in the industry up until I got into the industry, which is in 2015. Well, what's so great about Black Folks Camp 2, we are a business. And our business is not only just to remove fear and knowledge and invite more Black folks to camp and enjoy the outdoors to any and everyone, but our job is also to encourage the 95% of the folks who enjoy the outdoors right now, which are white folks, to remove their fear, add some knowledge to them, to why we haven't been in the outdoors, so they can get confidence to invite us into the outdoors. And the third pillar is, is to remove fear, add knowledge, and invite the industry, which is an $880 billion industry as a whole, to remove their fear, add them some knowledge, and invite us, and black folks, people of color, into the outdoors, so that they will then increase their revenue And by doing that also, folks like myself will enjoy the outdoors and we will see that nature is faithful to to all of us as well. Yeah. And so from a business perspective, I believe in ROI. ROI for me is return on inclusion, where most folks believe it's return on investment. But I believe that return on inclusion actually is return on investment, but we really have to get everybody involved into this particular process. So our business is amazing. Our business model is amazing. How we get it done is amazing. And now we're just spreading that news and spreading uh, the word that we we can get it done. Yeah. So many key words here in terms of ROI. I was thinking return on investment, but return on inclusion. I mean, that's kind of like, the way I think of it is that's kind of like one of the pillars of your business. And there are very few businesses that actually do that, where they're centering inclusion in their work. We have some listeners or followers of this podcast who are not necessarily from the U.S. And so while we want to talk more about how we can implement programs and solutions to create a more inclusive experience in the outdoors, I want to take a moment to touch a little bit upon kind of like this historical fear, because fear is such a complex emotion. And often it's kind of unfounded on just preconceived notions. But also there is a fact to the fear that you're talking about as far as the history of Black folks in the U.S. goes. So 
from your experience with your family, what were some of the things that your grandmother or mother told you that would help create some context to help people understand kind of like the historical context of what you're saying? So just every Black person who's a Black American that was born in America, their lineage comes from the South, right? Yeah. And we all know the South in America, we have a history of slavery. We have a history of discrimination. We have a history of all those things in regards to folks not necessarily being treated equal. We have a history of that. And so the history of Black folks being in the outdoors is tied to that because our great-grandparents, my great-grandparent, my grandmother, they would tell us, don't go in the woods. And they would tell us, don't go in the woods because of the heinous things that they saw that their parents had gone through in regards to the woods, whether it be lynchings, whether it be cross burnings, whether it be some of the most heinous things they've ever seen in the woods. So the woods itself is not a place for recreation for Black folks. It's a place, it really is a place in that generational trauma, the place of reckoning. And right, and so when you don't have that grown up being in the woods, when you haven't grown up enjoying the outdoors for recreation, when you hadn't grown up camping or backpacking or RVing and things of that nature, it's foreign to you in one aspect from a uh, aspect of having for recreation, but it really is foreign for you even going into the woods because of those meaningful stories that have been told. Listen, I don't sugarcoat anything when it comes to this. I believe that generational fear is real. I know it's real. We as a company, we've taken close to 400 people out camping and all type of activities in the outdoors. And we have data in regards to sharing this information around the campfire from those guests. And they have said the very same things that I'm saying to you today is that the generation of fear, the generation of trauma, the lack of invitation, and also the lack of knowledge is what has kept them from enjoying the 640 million acres of public land that we all own here in America, but it's also kept them from going to untraditional or traditional campgrounds where you can actually have an RV or a tent or you can go to a cabin. Those things in our mindset when it comes to the outdoor lifestyle, they escape us because they're not even there right? And because of that trauma. And if you also think about this, and these are facts, right? Yeah. National and state parks in America were segregated until 63, 1963. And so, and then even after that, it still was a foreign thought process for folks to look like me to really enjoy themselves in the outdoors. Yes, Black folks have hunted. Yes, we fish. But if you think about hunting and fishing, that's for survival. We didn't necessarily look at hunting and fishing as a sport or a way of going to relax necessarily. But we went there to fish and to hunt so we can actually catch food, right? Mm -hmm. And so we learned those survival traits. And we just believe as a company, we believe that we can help change that by encouraging more black folks, more people of color to enjoy the outdoor lifestyle with any and everyone because we don't as much. However, we know that black folks camp because our company is black folks camp too. Two means also and as well. Our job is to encourage more black folks to go camping and enjoy the outdoor lifestyle with any and everyone. We don't care what your race is, your gender, or your age. We just want to make sure that more Black folks around that campfire are having conversations. And so that we believe that when that happens, we'll find out, particularly in America, we have more sayings and we have differences. Your race, your gender, your age does not matter. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that history. It's never easy kind of sharing that. But also that the way we 
think about fear as far as like the context of your business and the work that you're trying to do is like, I see there are two types of fear, right? There's the fear of Black folks who have the generational trauma, which is based on fact. And then there's the fear of those 95% of white folks who, I have no data for this, but (laughs) I perceive that there is some sort of fear in putting out an invitation to somebody who doesn't look like them to go with them to the outdoors on a trip or something of that sort. And those are, in my opinion, based on some preconceived notions around like, oh, you know, like people of color or black folks are like, they don't go into nature. That's not their thing. They don't care about it. But then there's also the fear of like, how do I reach out and invite someone? So when you are doing your work around creating an invitation, what kind of advice do you give to white folks? Well, first of all, I think that we don't communicate well here in America. I think a lot of folks in different countries, they don't communicate well. But since I live here in America, I know we don't communicate well. We don't do a lot of communicating about the things that, particularly in our history, because we don't really want to talk about those things. But however, let me just share this with you. Black Folks Camp 2, we spend 20% of our time on the issue and 80% of our time on solutions. However, when we spend time on those solutions, they incorporate some of the issues. For example, one of the reasons why it's tough for a lot of particularly the majority lifestyle, which are white folks, to have this conversation with black folks about the outdoors is because we have data that 97% of the white folks we've come encounter with, they don't even know the reasons why black folks haven't been in the outdoors. Mm. They don't understand what we have generational trauma. They don't understand that we have generational fear lack of knowledge and lack of invitation. Because when they're out camping, when they've been out camping and joining the outdoors, there's very few people have said there are not a lot of black folks around. I mean, there's some people who have said that, but for the most part, folks are enjoying their lifestyle that they've grown up with. And that's okay. Our job is not to twist folks' arm and make them feel bad because of the lifestyle they've enjoyed. Our job is to twist folks' hearts for them to understand why we haven't enjoyed it and then inviting us to enjoy the very same things that we all pay for and that we all can love as well. So the first step to getting folks that do not look like me or particularly white folks to invite more black folks into the outdoors is to share with them why we haven't been there, right? Right. We've said many times that we are not in the outdoors because we don't like the bugs. Well, the bottom line is the same bugs that are at my cookout or at my grill out on my deck are the same bugs in the woods. And that's just something that we share as black folks share to other folks why we don't go in the outdoors. But the truth of the matter is we don't go in the outdoors because we're afraid of the folks that actually enjoy the outdoors the most, which are white folks. We have to be very candid about this because we're afraid because of the stories that we were actually told about this particular situation. Our job, again, is not to go around and punching folks in the mouth and making them feel bad because black folks are not in the outdoors. We don't call out folks. Our job is to call those folks in to help us understand and educate us about the very things that we have lack of knowledge about, right? This is not because we're not smart. This is not because we don't want to learn. This is because of the fact that when you haven't been shared the goodness of something that I believe is fantastic, which is nature, because of the stories that we're told, It is now time for folks to recognize and to realize that there are millions and millions and millions and millions of folks that look like me that have not experienced nature 
the way I have and the way that the 95 percenters have. And it is really time for us to stop making excuses, learn more, and to relish in the amazing, the amazing healing of nature. Yeah. It is. So, I mean, I'm very delicate in my thought process when I'm talking about this subject. I'm not an eggshell guy. I don't step on eggshells. I just, we just kind of tell it like it is because we're dealing facts. And we don't really deal in your opinions as much as we deal in facts. And the fact of the matter is, in order for us to get more black, to enjoy the outdoor lifestyle with any and everyone, the very same folks who are out there who know it the most and love the most, they're going to have to latch on to invite folks to look like me in the outdoors. Yeah. So let's talk about how you create programs that invite more Black folks and those who are less represented, people of color, to the outdoors. Within your business model, what are some of the programs that you implement so far? Well, number one, we educate folks, right? We create a lot of culturally relevant content. And we do that from a standpoint of purely from the toenail of the elephant. We understand that a ton of Black folks out there don't even know what trailheads are. We don't know how to purchase RVs. We don't know what RVs. A lot of us don't know the differentiates from a class A, class B, class C, motorhome, travel trailers, and things of that nature. We don't really truly understand why and what type of gear we need to have when we're out in the outdoors or leave no trace principles or understanding when we see wildlife in the outdoors, what to do or the different type of cooking and meals that you can have and enjoy me can have the equipment. Our job is to educate more Black folks, more Black folks about those things, share that knowledge with them, help them understand that they too can go enjoy the outdoors in a way that is uh, fantastic as well. Our also, our job is, and when we create culturally relevant content, is to show folks that look like me and other folks as well, that you don't have to go climb a mountain to enjoy the outdoors. Right. You can go take a nature walk in your local park, right? Mm -hmm. We also are educating folks that look like me. There's a lot of access to different parks and different state parks, national parks, and other private entities where you can actually go and enjoy yourself in the outdoors. Again, we do that with culturally relevant content so we can build education. We do that by taking folks out to get more content. And mainly we do it because of our Unity Blades. The campfire within our logo is the unity blaze. And it means treat everyone everywhere equally. And so when folks have that patch that we sell or they have the stickers or fly our flags, it's letting folks know that you treat everyone everywhere equally. So it's easier for those people to have communication and talk to be able to invite one another to the outdoors and enjoy that. And the last thing is, it's pretty much very important to us is that we don't just believe in inviting Black folks into the lifestyle. We believe in inviting more Black folks into the, the workforce as well, into the industry. So we've connected with uh, Leave No Trace, and we have a partnership with them with a campus project where we're going to give scholarships to HBCU alumni, which are historically Black college and university. That's what HBCU stands for, to encourage those alumni and those folks who may not know anything about the outdoor industry or may know things about the outdoor industry to help them get into the industry by helping them get their professional outdoor industry certificate, helping them get in their Leave No Trace Master Educator Certificate, and then getting the Black Post Camp 2 Certificate of Creating and Spreading Unity yeah. in the Outdoor. Wow. 
this is not rocket science Mm-mm. of what we're doing. However, when you're in an environment where there's lack of communication about the reason why folks that look like me are not in the outdoors, you tend to have a hard time getting folks that look like me to enjoy the outdoors. However, I will say this in regards to a solution. Again, we spend 20% of our time on issues and 80% of our time on solutions. There are a lot of solutions that are proprietary to what we do as a company, because we're our business, that we share with our clients. And they think that what we do is fantastic because we have to attack this from the bottom up and not feel like that folks that look like me already know. We have to educate folks. Education is the key. And we just have a very unique way of doing that. Yeah, that's really cool. In a sense, like giving tools to alumni from HBCUs with like, you know, the certifications or the experiences to help essentially feel confident and be a representative of the outdoors in a sense. One of the things that as you were talking, I was thinking about in terms of like your business model is a lot of the outdoors has to do with like the National Park Service and local state parks, right? So much of like the data that I've read about how only I think 6% of, I may be wrong though, but I think like 6% of visitors to the national parks are people of color. And so a big part of that, from my perspective, is that National Parks Service as an institution has a responsibility to create more awareness, invitations to the outdoors, to communities that aren't necessarily represented in these spaces. So do you ever work with, you're based in North Carolina, so do you ever work with local state parks or national parks to kind of create programs around inclusion? Absolutely. Some of our biggest clients are states, particularly North Carolina and South Carolina. And what we believe is, again, we talk about the toenail of the elephant. The folks who actually work at these agencies Many of them didn't know why black folks hadn't been in the outdoors or why we hadn't visited their state park. Right. They have to be educated on why we haven't been there first so they can actually jump in the boat and start to row to figure out how to get more of us into enjoying these state parks. Right. They're just finding out why we hadn't been in the outdoors. They thought that we didn't come in the outdoors because we didn't like it or because it was something that wasn't a part of our culture. Yeah, it wasn't a part of our culture, but look at understand the reason why it's not a part of our culture. And then now you'll understand why we don't go. We're probably the most, particularly in America, we're probably the most athletic people in the world. Yet we don't do anything athletic in the outdoors as a majority. We don't mountain bike. We don't trail run. We rarely ski. We don't kayak or canoe in regards from a competitive perspective. That should be a red flag throwing up the people right there in regards to athleticism. But for the most part, when you think about families and think about this space, you're exactly right. We're not represented well in those particular spaces because of the fear, because of the lack of knowledge, because of the, the lack of invitation. These entities that you actually spoke of, the national and state entities, they have to be made aware of why we haven't been in the outdoors. And they have to be made aware, not just from the top grass, but also from the bottom and in the middle as well. So when you see folks that look like me in the outdoors and we are there, making people feel welcome is not treating us any differently from everybody else. You should make everybody feel well, right? But know that the reason why we haven't been there and understand that we may not understand some of the things that these lifestylers, the people who've done it for all their lives, we may not know how to make that fire. We may not know leave no trace principles. And my point is, is that those folks who are there, those rangers, 
the folks that are in the outdoors, the folks that are in these national and state parks, they should really be able to educate us while they're talking to us about, while they're approaching us about some of the things that we may be doing wrong, or even the things that we're doing right, being able to encourage folks to have an amazing time in the park. And then encourage us also to take care of the park. Know before you go and make sure the parks look better than they look when you arrive. Yeah. And when you're able to share this kind of knowledge with folks, you then build their confidence up where they want to come back time and time and time again. Right. And they bring their family back and their friends back. And just to be fair, you know, National Park Service has done quite a few studies around this. For the most part, they're aware. And we've had some guests on the podcast who are actually like in senior positions where they have created programs to encourage youth and create opportunities or to reduce the barriers around cost and access to national state parks. So that work is being done, but it's obviously not being done to the extent that we would like, because there's still like huge disparities in access and representation in the outdoors. I hear you on that. And I think that we all have to be very careful in this space. We all have to be very careful in the fact that you're dealing with generational fear. You're dealing with years and years and years and years and years, years of fear. And so this is not going to be a speedboat. Yeah. This is not going to be something that's going to turn on a dime. Right. This is like a ship and ships don't turn very fast. Right. However, though, the foundation of what we're doing has to be proper. Once the foundation is laid proper, then the ship will be able to turn and then the house can be built rather on the foundation better on a great foundation. So although I believe that we could be doing more and we should be doing more, I think the more should be more in education and building the foundation of how we're going to get there. I've seen a lot of things being done out there, and I think it's really cool that people really want to get to it because they need to check this box. But we need to make sure that the foundation of this house is actually built properly or laid properly before we continue to kind of just build or create billboards and all these things. We really need to focus on the foundation, and the foundation is education. We need to educate folks, particular lifestyles, on wildlife folks that have been in the outdoors, and so that those particular lifestyles will want to invite folks to look like me, and then it'll help the learning curve. Because when you go with someone in the outdoors, and they know the outdoors well, your learning curve is easy. They'll teach you more. I know that because I'm a student of that, right? I was taught the outdoors, not by myself. I was taught the outdoors by being educated by folks that didn't look like me. Gosh, that bridge of invitation is just so fundamental to the process, but also just understanding the truth and history of kind of the violence that Black folks have experienced for essentially like four centuries historically in these outdoor spaces. It's reckoning with that. You said like your work is talking about 20% of like the issue and 80% is the solution. And I think a big part of that 20% is being able to speak the truth and communicate kind of like the reality of a situation. So I'm just imagining like a National Park Service ranger when they're doing like a tour of particular space talking about like the history of how Black, Indigenous, people of color have either contributed to the protection of a particular space, which they have been historically involved, but also like the histories of some of these violences as a way to recognize and also start like 
building that foundation based on truth and recognition of the realities of these spaces, right? And then that way, I think it helps other visitors and who are especially people of color to be like, oh, okay, you're recognizing that these spaces aren't as pure as we've made them to be, that there is a history behind them. I agree with you. I think everybody needs to hear the history. I think Black folks, white folks, Asian folks, Indian folks, Native American folks, Latino folks, folks of different races, genders, ages, everybody needs to hear the history. However, I don't think we need to be spending all of our time on the history. Right, right. I think we need to be spending all of our time on the solution. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's all that matters to me, the solution. Right. All that matters to me is seeing more black folks in the outdoors, enjoying the outdoors with any and everything. Right. My job as a company, our job as a company is not to harp or not to draw down on the history so much. Because in business, you focus all your time on the reason why you're not doing well rather than focusing your time on the ways that you should be doing well. You're going to fail. Right. Right. And so. I believe in, that's why we are a business. We are a scalable business. And our business has to be scalable for us to stay alive. I always tell folks, however, though, although we're a business, the main focus is for our business to do so well that we're not around anymore. Because if we're out of business as a company, because of the great work that we've done, then that means that there are so many more Black folks in the outdoors. People always ask me all the time, what are your measurable goals in regards to What do you see as success? That's really hard to explain other than the fact that when Black Folks Camp 2 is no longer needed, that is success to me, right? Because we're no longer needed to help remove fear, add knowledge, and invite more Black Folks to camp and enjoy the outdoor industry with any and everyone. And we're not needed anymore to explain to the 95% of the folks who are out there that love the outdoors, which are white folks who love the outdoors, and to share with them why we're not there to invite us. Or do the same thing with the industry, remove fear from them, add knowledge, and help them invite us. When we've done that, when that has happened in a way that 40, 50, 60% of Black folks out there are just, it's kind of a second nature, then our job is done. Yeah. When they feel like, okay, this is a space that I feel confident going into. I feel like this is a space that I can belong in. And even like the most basic stuff is just like, what you were talking about earlier is being, was it culturally sensitive or competent education? And it's around like, how do you be a better steward of the space? And once you leave it better than what you saw it when you came in first. I'm curious to know, you have so many conversations with people from so many backgrounds, from like, I don't know, state troopers, to park officials, to just like the everyday person who's like scared of the outdoors or who has like generational trauma around it to white folks who are like, we really want to help you. How do we do this? I'm curious to know, have you had, I'm sure you have had some like watershed moments or stories that you can share where it was like an aha moment? Yeah. I mean, we have that all the time. As a matter of fact, I was just at a state conference yesterday and, you know, there are folks in the conference who run the parks and state parks, and they're still learning on why Black folks have been in the outdoors. And like the film we just released, our short film we just released, I found people crying at this film because of the truth that is being told, but also they're crying because of the joy that's being had and with folks that have never really enjoyed the outdoors. Listen, we all are human. 
We all have issues. We all have things that are going on. And we all have sensitive moments in our lives. And to be frank with you, if I had to put my feet in the shoes of the 95% of folks who are out there who love the outdoors are white folks, and I heard the reason why black folks hadn't been in the outdoors because of generational fear, lack of knowledge, and lack of invitation, and I know I love the outdoors, it would be a hard pill for me to swallow to know that those folks are afraid of me, of people that look like me in the outdoors, or they're afraid to go in the outdoors because of what my ancestors may have done to their ancestors to make them feel this way. So I am very sensitive and I have a lot of empathy for those folks because our job, again, is not to call those folks out. Our job is to call them in. We want to call folks into the boat to help move the needle forward because at the end of the day, that's all we really care about. That's all I care about is the solution. And we can't get to the solution unless we're having these hard conversations with folks and they're understanding how amazing this process is to encourage more black folks getting the outdoors. So we constantly hear that. I didn't know that. I really didn't know that. I thought there was other reasons why black folks hadn't been in the outdoors or I never even thought about it because I've been out here and I never even thought about that. And so our job again is to educate folks. So we've had tons of aha moments. However, when folks ask me, Earl, what can I do to help you get more black folks? to enjoy the outdoor lifestyle with any and everyone. I always say the first thing you can do is you need to take your black friends camping. And if you don't have any black friends, this is the greatest time in America for you to find some. And so I don't sugarcoat that because that is, I think is the greatest way and the quickest way we're going to get folks to look like myself, people of color, people who have underrepresented folks who have been in the outdoors. They're going to have to be invited welcome, and sometimes taken in the outdoors to enjoy the outdoors with the very same folks who enjoy it the most. Yeah. In terms of like the whole invitation thing, I was just thinking even the simplest thing that one can do if you're like an avid outdoor recreation person is even create something as simple as like a meetup group, right? And the premise of the meetup group can be like, for those folks who've been intimidated by the outdoors, I'll be your guide, right? I'll teach you how to find the right skis. I'll organize the ski trips. Just basically using whatever knowledge that you have of being in the outdoors to then be a guide for those people who didn't necessarily think about it. But then also partnering up with schools and being like, hey, reaching out to a teacher and being like, maybe we can create a program. That is not a one-off thing, but it can be like programmed throughout the year where we're constantly like exposing kids to different spaces. Well, you know, I like those ideas, but when it comes to children in the outdoors, yeah, I believe that we should start with their parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that where we've gone wrong is that we've just taken children in the outdoors. For instance, I don't think we've gone wrong in that space. I think that what we've done is is that we wanted to expose young children to the outdoors, which we should. And I think we should do that so they can actually get that experience. But if we want to solve the issues, getting more folks that look like myself in the outdoors, well, statistically, most of the folks who enjoy the outdoors say that they enjoy the outdoors because their parents took them, right? Their parents introduced them to the outdoors. Well, why would that be any different from black folks? We should be encouraging parents to take their children in the outdoors. Right. Because, by the way, when we just take children in the outdoors, children don't have cars. So how are they going to go back? Right. For the most part. 
it's hard enough to teach an adult how to make a fire or make a tent. So to just take children out there and think they're going to retain that knowledge is hard to do. The third thing is, it's not sustainable to do that. The reason why it's not sustainable, because you have to take this particular child out almost a lot repetitively. You have to take this child out a lot for them to understand how amazing camping is. And they change. Children change. They get older. They get more mature. And those are things they may not want to do. However, if their parents are involved and their parents are doing this, it becomes an easier play. Yeah. But what we've done in the past, many folks bypassed the parent. And we basically said they probably don't want to go. We're going to take their kid. Well, they don't want to go because you never asked them, number one. And they don't want to go because you didn't know the generational fear. And they don't want to go because it's not something that is being sold to them as something that's good for their health, for their mental, for their social, for their physical health. When we do that, we captivate a different audience that will then want to take their children out on a walk, on the trail. So again, I'm all about taking children out, but I'm more about taking families and getting parents out so they can start to enjoy the outdoors and then they become addicted to nature like I am. That's so true. So how does Black folks camp to reach parents, adults? Well, we're already doing that now. I said that earlier with culturally relevant content. Right. We reach parents and we tell a story to parents. Again, we just released a film on our website, blackpostcamp2.com. Or on the YouTube channel, Black Post Camp 2, we've just released a film about this. And it's basically, it's our first DEI. And DEI for us stands for Digital Education Initiative. We just released an amazing film sharing this information on how this, what we should do and how we should get it done. I mean, this is not rocket science. We just got to get folks to want to do this. We don't have to create this crazy dynamic program to do this. We just have to educate folks where they want to go do this on their own. Right. It makes me think of this camping guidance program that one of the parks that I visited in Texas, they invited families and they provided them with the gears and you just had to pay like a minimal fee. But it was an entire weekend where we were taught like the most basics about how to camp and the different options. You know, you can do it at the back of your car or like find a campsite. But that is something that was with families. And I think that's one good way of kind of like helping building the capacity of adults to be able to see like this is an opportunity and we can actually go out with our kids to to these parks and outdoor spaces. And I agree with that. I agree with all that. I agree with groups going out. I agree with people taking each other out. I agree with all of that. But I also agree with this. I agree with if we educate folks how amazing the outdoors is, if we help remove fear from folks with the communication, with the education, and we invite folks digitally in any other type of entity, we're going to find that we may not need as many groups. We're going to find that the folks are going to want to go explore this on their own. And they will because they will explore it on, on their own because it's, when you lay out all the benefits, why they should, they will. There are different steps to camping and the outdoor industry or lifestyle. Everybody's not going to climb a 14er, which is a, a 14,000 foot mountain. Everybody's not going to do that. Everybody's not going to backpack. Everybody's not going to RV. People can car camp. People are going to have a picnic in the park. People can actually go and hug a tree. Go listen to the birds sing. Hear the wind slapping against your face and your ears. We don't have to make this so complicated. We just got to get people in the outdoors and join the outdoors and then allow them 
to once they experience the goodness of the outdoors and however they experience the goodness, they'll then want to experience more. Our job right now is just getting them out. Right. And we have to get them out there in large numbers so that those same very same folks who are out there who are loving the outdoors and then take care of the outdoors as well to conserve it and preserve it. It's going to take some work for us to make sure that we're out there understanding what it means to take care of the outdoors so the outdoors can take care of us. Truly, truly. I mean, I'm just thinking about like how complexly I'm thinking about this, but it's not rocket science. It's just simple. Just It's not rocket science. We're making this complex because, again, there is some fear. I'm not naive in this. I have fear too. I had a lot of fear in regards to the outdoors. Uh, I still have some fear when I'm out backpacking or I'm out car camping or more than maybe. I have a lot of fear. But I know one thing, though, the way I've experienced the outdoors, what it's done for my health mentally, mainly mentally, socially, and, of course, physically, it makes me want to learn more. It makes me want to learn more. It makes me want to go out. It makes me want to invite other folks to go out. Our company is about a unit. The campfire on our logo is the unity blaze. And it means treat everyone everywhere equally. And with that being said, if folks out there are treating everyone everywhere equally, they will want to introduce them to something that they love, which is the outdoors. I'm not naive enough. There are folks out there that don't want to see more people out there enjoying the outdoors. I get it. Our job is to say to those folks, too, well, if you don't want anybody out there enjoying the 640 million public land that we all own, well, you need to start paying for it on your own then. Because we really are missing a lot, particularly black folks are missing a lot when it comes to the outdoors. And our job is squarely is to introduce more black folks to the outdoors so we can start having conversations. And I believe once we all get around that campfire again, we're going to find out we have more sames and differences. Yes, yes. One last thing, and then I wanted to like briefly allow you to like give a plug to the movie that you all created is focusing on the value add of nature kind of helps us focus less on the fear around it, right? And try to rationalize with that fear in our own ways. But I love when you were saying that when you're out in nature, you're more curious and you're more like in a peace state of mind, I guess, which kind of distracts you from the fears that you have. And it's normal to have those fears, but I'm sure you like, you take whatever precautions, preparations that you need in order for you to go into these spaces safely. But the focus is also on the value of being in nature and the curiosity and how much you would learn about yourself being one with nature in a sense. And I think that's really kind of the key like the foundation of your educational approaches is that value add. And that's what just makes it so simple. I guess I had an aha moment <laughs> just hearing you kind of process that from your own personal perspective. Well, you think about this. I talked about it and I probably said this two or three times, maybe more because this is what we stand on. If you spend 20% of your time worrying about the issue and 80% of your time finding solutions to those issues, you'll win every time. It's the same thing when I go out in the outdoors. I spend 20% of my time on the fear and 80% of my time on the enjoyment of the outdoors. I mean, I know the fears are there. I know elements are out there. I know that. But I know for a fact, though, that what I've experienced, experiences that I've had, the mental, the social, 
the spiritual and the physical experiences that I've encountered in the outdoors. It's been much, much more mm-hmm. than me seeing a bear out there, which I have, <laughs> or deer, yeah. or encountering someone that doesn't like me or doesn't like the people that look like me. As a matter of fact, I hadn't encountered that, right? I have not encountered that. And so that leads me to believe that, will I encounter that? Well, I may. I'm not saying that I won't, but I haven't encountered that, right? And I'm out there a lot. But I will say this, though. The biggest fear that we have as a company is that we're not going to be able to educate enough folks about the outdoors. That is a fear of ours. Right. But again, if we're concentrating doing the 80-20 rule, we spend 20% on that, the fact that we just have fear of that. And we spend 80% of our time that we know that we're going to reach a lot of people, right? Yeah. We know it. We know that the film, we know that it is delightful. It is heart-tugging. But at the end of the day, at the end of the film, all we're talking about is unity. So we live this, this life of 80-20. Yeah. And you said your business is scalable. And I just think that you can kind of create chapters in other parts of the country and find other partners. Because I was just thinking, man, if we could bring this to Columbus, because there's a really great initiative called Black Women in Nature. And they focus a lot around the healing spiritual aspect and inviting Black women to be in nature and learn about nature. And they do yoga in the park. I mean, like yoga in the park, but also just like meditation while hiking. And I see that like as a great partner. Well, you know, when I talk about our business being scalable, I'm also talking about it from a revenue perspective. Right, right. Yes, our business is scalable in regards to being all around the country. Actually, we're already around the world already as a company. But in regards to what you're saying, we hope that our voice carries everywhere. We're not in competition with any groups or any clubs. We're business, right? And we do our business properly well we'll enhance those clubs and those groups. Right. We'll help those clubs and those groups get more folks that look like me to be a part of those groups because they now are educated about things that are phenomenal. There are a lot of groups out there that need to be educated about the outdoors more and what it takes to be out there in these particular spaces. It's not that they can't learn or they don't know. We all are learning. We all need to learn more and how it perceives in that particular space. We're learning more from a lot of groups out there in this space and getting data and all that kind of good stuff. The bottom line is, if you don't have any data, well, all you have is opinions. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Last I checked, our company, it must be sincere. It must be meaningful. It has to be measurable or it won't be sustainable. Hey, I have one last question and then we can go into the lightning round here is, I see your business as sort of being inspiring for other Black folks and other people of color and also white folks to kind of make a business that's founded on return on inclusion. So what kind of advice would you give on how a business like yours has been successful? Like, I guess, asking a question of how we can replicate the business without being in competition with you, (laughs) in a sense, right? Honestly, as a founding president of our company, I don't really care about competition in that particular space. I don't really care about creating competition. I think that's a good thing, actually. Yeah. We don't move in silence like and try to keep things away from folks. We are very loud in what we do. With that being said, anyone out there who wants to be a matter of fact, when I talk about we don't care about competition, 
we actually have scholarships. We have a program for scholarships so folks that look like me can actually get into this business, mm. right? To learn how to drive this business. Yeah. And the same thing we're doing. Because again, our only objective is to get more black folks in the outdoors. That's all our only objective. So if there's folks out there who want to do what we do and do it like we get it done, first of all, they probably need to do it their own way, right? And not necessarily follow our model because they may have a better way to do it, right? And the, the second thing is, I would encourage folks, listen, focus your time on the solution and not on the issue. Focus more of your time on the solution and not on the issue. I don't care if you're selling lemonade at a stand or you're running a multi-million dollar company or all in between or you work for someone. Focus your time on the solutions rather than issues. And within our space, if you're wanting to be in this particular space or driving this type of business and wanting to understand this type of business, the bottom line is you have to know the business. You have to know the industry. We know the industry. And yet, that's going to be a little tough because there are not a lot of folks that look like me that are actually in the industry. So we're trying to create more folks that do look like us in the industry so that they then can actually go out and enjoy the fruits of their labor by helping companies, helping folks, and helping everyone else do exactly what we're doing. That's really great advice. Thank you for sharing that. Right on. So we're going into the lightning round, which is basically a set of four questions. And you just answer the first thing that comes to your mind. So are you ready? (laughs) I am. All right. So what have you read, heard, or watched lately that has influenced you the most? I have an eight-year-old daughter and an 11-year-old son. I watched my daughter do something that was extraordinary. My daughter, her name is Fuzzy, and she's been riding horses. And I watched her remove a lot of fear. I watched her add some knowledge. And I watched her accept the invite to do exactly what she desired to do. Right? And that, to me, was inspiring. I watched my son, who's 11 years old, go from playing flag football to tackle football, which I knew would be a hard transition for him, for any kid. But I watched him remove his fear. I watched him add some knowledge. And I watched him accept the invite to go out and be one of the best players on the field. Wow. That's a lot to overcome as young kids, I guess, to have that fear, but to just kind of go past it. Even as adults, we're just, we don't do a lot of things out of fear. And it really holds us back from building unions, building relationships, working together. So that's really great that your kids are able to I mean, that you're able to see inspiration from that, but I'm sure they also get that inspiration from you as well, just in the work that you do. What's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your work? Oh, yeah. So I wake up every morning and I look in the mirror, to be honest with you, and this is exactly what I do. When I wake up in the morning, and the sunlight hits my eyes, there's something without warning, bears heavy on my mind. Oh, but when I look at you, (laughs) and the world's all right with me, oh, just one look at you, and I know it's going to be a lovely day, lovely day, lovely day, lovely day. I wake up every morning thinking that way, being that way, and just thinking that today is going to be better than yesterday 
and tomorrow is going to be better than today. Every day. Wow, that was like, I felt like I was in the bathroom with you, but like, as a fly, maybe. That's exactly how I wake up every day. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to try that now. Hey, go look in the mirror and tell yourself how amazing you are. And if you do that, you're going to make somebody else's day. You have to feel good first before you can go make somebody else's day. Right. That's so true. Self-affirmation. It's important. What's the best piece of advice you've received? The best piece of advice that I have received in my life is the same advice that I give to other folks. We have to have empathy for people. We have to have empathy that we all are going through things. We have to have empathy that no one's perfect. We have to have empathy that folks have a past, a present, and a future. We have to have empathy that folks have, that we're all flawed. And we have to have empathy that folks do not learn as fast as we do or maybe slower or, or faster than we are. Or people are better at things that they do and you're better at things that you do. And we have to have empathy that in all those spaces. That advice has been given to me as a youngster. And it's one of the reasons why I've been so, I'm always positive. And I tell folks I've never had a bad day in my life. I've had some bad moments, but no bad days because we all are going through something. And so I got the advice to just, look, just have empathy and enjoy the day. Yeah. Gosh, I try to remind myself about the empathy part. And honestly, it's sometimes not easy, especially doing work around equity and, and justice work. And gosh, sometimes I just have to stop and be like, all right, you need to have empathy for this person because that's the only way you're going to build a bridge, right? Like nothing good ever came out of like frustration or disappointment. So thank you for that. And then finally, what is your superpower? My superpower, I think that I've been blessed with is being able to connect folks, being able to make a connection myself first and then being able to introduce and connect people together. You know, a lot of people go in the outdoors just to be by themselves. I think that's cool and all, but I like to go in the outdoors so I can see other folks, right? I like to connect folks. I like to be in the gatherings. I like to be around people, hear their stories and tell stories. And I just love people. I love people for who they are and where they are. I love to meet people where they are. I love to hear triumphs. I love to hear how people overcome. Solutions. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love it. I love all that. I love, I'm a connector. That's one of my superpowers of being able to communicate with people. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, this has been such a great conversation. I feel really invigorated. I think I'm going to listen to this episode every time I need like a picker upper and especially the part where you're singing to yourself. <laughs> you have a very nice voice. Well, thank you. And I will leave you with this. And this is what I tell everyone that I come in contact with for as much as I can. I hope you, your many listeners, your many listeners, family members and all the folks around them that I hope they have the most amazing day of their life today. But more than that, I hope tomorrow is better. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. This is an early morning recording, and I feel like I can carry this with me for a long time. Right on. So thank you so much again, Earl, for speaking to us on the podcast and wishing you the best of luck in your future journey. And I look forward to meeting you in person in North Carolina one day and probably joining you on one of your trips, if possible. Right on. So make sure your listeners go to Black Folks Camp 2. That's blackfolkscamptoo.com. And 
Find out what we're doing. Grab your Unity Blade sticker or patch or gear, whatever you need, and continue helping us drive the business and shifting the narrative in the outdoors. Yeah, you have really cool merchandise. The last time we spoke, you said they were you were kind of in the process of getting your inventory. Is, is that in or? Yeah, we have all types of stuff in our site. We have, we partner with Oboe's footwear to some insoles with our Unity Blades inside of the insole. We partner with Treeline Coffee to make an amazing Unity Blades coffee. We have t-shirts. They're sustainable t-shirts, meaning that they are made from recycled material. We have Unity Blade sticker patches and all that kind of good stuff. I mean, we're adding more things to the site. But right now, we want folks just to go on and just view what we've done in the last two years. We just celebrated our two-year anniversary. Wow, congrats, congrats. We just want folks to go on and, and enjoy what we've done. We're going to do more, and we're excited to do more. Well, Earl, thank you so much again for your time. We'll definitely be supporting you, and we'll check out the movie that you mentioned. You said it's on your YouTube channel, right? It's on our YouTube channel, Black Post Camp 2, and it's also on our website. Yep, we'll definitely check it out. BlackPostCamp2.com All right, well, thank you again, Earl, and we'll be in touch and we'll follow you on your journey. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Hey, all Thanks for listening to Breaking Green Ceilings. If you'd like to hear more episodes with change-making environmentalists, head on over to watersavvysolutions.com backslash podcast you can find me online on instagram and twitter and as always if you love the show please don't forget to subscribe rate and like on itunes you can also sign up for my newsletter to find out when new episodes are available and please do share the podcast with your family friends colleagues and whoever you think will be inspired by the wisdom of our change makers i always welcome feedback so please do feel free to reach out to me My contact information is also on watersavvysolutions.com. Until next time, keep breaking through those green ceilings.